Well, welcome to the front porch. This is Lewis. In case you guys forgotten my voice, it's been a while. I mean, well, it hasn't been a while, a couple of weeks, but these podcasts are kind of, um, I mean, I probably need to do more than what we're doing. So just so you, in case you forgot, this is Lewis, and today I am super excited to welcome back to the porch a brother who's been so, so helpful to me. Uh, my family and the congregation that I pastor. I don't have time to tell you all how much I appreciate this man of God. But before this podcast is over, you will see what I mean. Brother Dr. Keith Plummer. Welcome back to the porch, brother. Thank you very much. Good to be back. And thank you so much for your kind words. <laughs> you know it's all true, Keith. Come on. Oh, no. <laughs> you know all them phone calls and text messages i'm always sending and asking you for all kinds of uh all kinds of things that's way above beyond my pay grade you have been so helpful man and folks have uh they just don't know they think i'm all smart because i really don't i don't tell them i'm getting it from you all the time but anyway now they know now they know well to the degree that i have been of help to god's praise i'm grateful very grateful good well look i know you don't dig this kind of stuff keith but we got to tell folks a little something about you. I know, I know you don't like all the, but uh, I'll let you judge when enough is enough, when we've gone too far and we'll get to talking about what we're going to be uh, chatting about today. So you're married to Ingrid. Mm-hmm. You have two adult children, Candace and Brandon. Is that right? That's correct. Now, Keith, how, how long? Just recently graduated from college, thank God. Now, which one, Candace or Brandon? Both of them. Wow, wow, wow. Well, amen, brother. Amen. Oh, yes. The apple is not falling far. The apples are not falling far from the tree. Right? <laughs> Man, how long have you been married? It will be this year, 31 years in December. Wow. wow. Praise God. Well, Keith, you're a young man. That's like all your life, right? <laughs> yeah, we got married when I was about like 15. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, you've done well. You've done well to stay married this long. We thank God for that. And uh, Ingrid must be a powerful woman. She must be. <laughs> she, she is. is. She is. Well, we could do a whole podcast just on that. Maybe we will. Maybe we will one day, right? We'll just come back and talk about how powerful our wives are, right? <laughs> if, you want, if you want to do an episode on patience, then you, we can do it on her. Okay. Go cool. see there. Yeah. See, she fits the she fit she fits the help fit mode, right? <laughs> Part of that being help fit man is just being real, real patient with cats oh, yes. like with cats like us. Now look. Okay. So okay. Good. Thirty-one years. Two adult children. Recently graduated from from uh, college, amen. You received a BA from Brown, mm-hmm. M- MDiv from Trinity with the emphasis in uh, apologetics, right? Yeah. And right. your and your PhD in systematic theology from TEDS as well, right? This is true. So I'm not. It's not like one of those old Baptist things by calling you Doc. No, that is for real. You are Doctor Plummer. Am I right about that? I am, and sometimes I'm still amazed by that. Is that right? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, man, look, uh, I know I'm grateful for your education. It has helped me. <laughs> it has helped me tremendously. Now, you're currently a professor at Karen. Ten years, yes. Keith? Ten years? It has been ten years. It's like, you know, it's like you just left Lake County area, man. Wow. Oh. Wow. Now, what do you teach? 
I teach uh, in, in the School of Divinity, and I primarily teach apologetics. All of our students have to take apologetics regardless of the major in junior and senior year. I normally teach hermeneutics, and uh, sometimes various uh, theology classes. I've taught intro to theology. Okay. Recently uh, did a, a course, it was kind of a trial of trial in terms of experiment, not burden, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> a course called the Technology and Christian Discipleship, kind of looking at a theo theological perspective on uh, technology. So um, those are the, the kinds of classes that I normally teach. I'm going to ask you a question about that a little later on when we start talking about reading. Uh, okay. About the about the technology thing, because I've I've noticed I've noticed some um, some of your tweets and mm -hmm. uh, and in ev even some of the uh, um, books that you have recommended. <clears throat> excuse me to me, All right? So now, okay, this is kind of one of those futuristic questions. So, okay. what's in the future for you at Karen? And uh, we'll talk more about that later on. We promise to do that. But come on, man, give us a little sneak peek of what's in the future for you at Karen. Uh, as of next month, I will be serving as the Dean of the School of Divinity. Wow. The Dean of the School. <laughs> now, when we talked earlier, we're making that clear, right? That's the a right that's a, of the School of Divinity, <laughs> not the whole school. Because <laughs> folks be saying, oh, man, Dr. Plummer, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a Dean of, of Karen, right? But it's, this is a, a department. That's which. Right. Which, in and of itself, is quite a feat. Um, there's, there's not many um, African American deans of, of departments, sp specifically uh, theology, in mm -hmm. across the country. So we're going to give folks a sneak peek. We're going to do a whole episode talking just about that and what uh, what we can uh, look forward to and what you look forward to and uh, and help us understand more more about that now look <clears throat> i did my research right mm. and um i felt like i knew you fairly well anyway because we've been wow i met you years ago uh when i when i first moved here you were still at trinity and uh you would come by the church sometimes too as a matter of fact right. you and the entire family yeah. right now but here's something i learned keith i did i didn't know and oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, it just pays. It just pays to do your reading sometime, man. Right? So, um, you had an interest in radio at some time, which led to you led you to conduct interviews with uh, Christian authors, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> this I was doing podcasting before podcasting was a thing. <laughs> 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 And it, I'll have to tell you about it sometime, but what it was, when I was at the church, uh, when I was back on the pastoral staff, that there, there was a um, there was downloadable software. I don't know if you would remember it. There was something called Pal Talk. It was, it was like one of, it was, this is going way <laughs> It was one of the first voiceover internet chat softwares available. And so they used to break down the chat rooms in different categories. And so there was religion and spirituality, and under religion and spirituality, there were various Christian rooms. And I and a few friends used to get together on a regular basis and, um, you know, just talk about various issues related to Christian life and theology. And we got frustrated with some of the same debates that we were seeing going on amongst Christians and everything. And we said, what if we were to 
invite various Christian authors to download the software and to participate in a discussion. And uh, I, I started doing a, you know, interviewing of them, and then we would open up the room where people could take the mic and pose their question. And after some time, what we did was we got away with away from the chat room aspect, and I just continued doing the um, the interviews. So um, they used to be available online. We used to call it, the name of it was uh, Ponce, a faith-seeking understanding. And it was named after Blaise Pascal's book, Ponce, which is <clears throat> one of my favorites. And so, um, yeah, I did a series of um, interviews doing that. And the reason that I like radio far more than I like anything having to do with television mm. is just I, th I think it's a medium that is more conducive to um, thinking and thinking through issues that allows some extended conversation and so forth. And uh, doing it the way we were doing, we didn't have anything like, um, you know, advertising and anything right, like that right. to really uh, do that. But I've, yeah, I've had a long interest in and love for radio, talk radio. I listen I don't listen to it too much now, but when I was in Illinois, I used to listen to a whole lot of uh, talk radio. But now what I do is I do listen to a lot of podcasts, and I just enjoy the media. Mm. You so, know what? That's just <clears throat> that's just another 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 podcast for us us to do. <laughs> Plumber on podcast, <laughs> and you know it's interesting because <clears throat> I find that I prefer uh, listening like to a podcast, um, way more than if I'm watching an, um, an interview or whatever else, if it's, it's video. I prefer just to put the headpiece in or earpiece in and just mm -hmm. listen. And you're, mm -hmm. you're right. It, it, it engages different parts of your thinking that, um, that you kind of miss, I think. with uh, And there are some good ones out there, man, some great. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm like, wow, what these people are doing with uh, <laughs> This one is not like that, but there are some oh, out there that are, that are excellent that's, out that's there. Man. <laughs> so, so, yeah, because, man, you know what? You have that. You have a voice for radio. I mean, you got those pipes, man. So, so I'm not surprised. And um, you said that you want to get back into that again someday. Cool. That's great, Keith, because we're going to talk about that, too. <laughs> That's a good piece of information uh, to have, Ben, because I think we have a platform waiting for you <laughs> right here on the porch right here on the porch i know the beatie's just clapping his hands saying that's right lou really men really men lou <laughs> well that would be an honor that would be an honor. oh man we got to talk about that now listen man if anyone anyone who follows you on twitter mm -hmm. or comes across your threads will immediately know that you have that you love to read. When I find when I finally bit the bullet and came on Twitter two years ago, I celebrated my two year anniversary last month. Congratulations. <laughs> I think you you <laughs> you're one of the first people to welcome me on Twitter. And I was uh glad to see you. <laughs> it was good. I, that that was a warm welcome too. I'm like, okay, I got some some friends out here because I was warned. People like be careful, there's the thing called a troll. I'm like, well, what is a troll? They're like, just be careful. And so when you came on and said, hey, I, I do. <laughs> I know what a troll is now. But you cannot, if I remember correctly, I think back then you were reading through 
John Newton and posting when I first came on, correct. right? That is correct. So how, now, I think you said someone bought that for you, right? Is that how that worked? My children knew that I wanted this four-volume set, and I was planning to get it. And so for my birthday, they gifted me with this new Banner of Truth four-volume set of the works of John Newton. Wow. And I just, I, I have been so blessed through his his um, writing, particularly the letter ministry, the letter-writing ministry that he had, such rich pastoral counsel. Mm. Um, and so I said, you know what? I'm going to work my way through the four volumes. And so I did. And so when you came on, I was in the, I was in the midst of that. I don't know which volume I was in when you came on. But yeah, and as I came across things that uh, blessed me, I said, I'm going to throw this out there. Hopefully it will be of encouragement and uh, edification to others. And so I kind of tweeted my way through uh, John Newton. Man, that's one of the, um, that was one of the joys. <clears throat> I'm glad I was introduced uh, to Twitter like that. Because I had, you know, I was skeptical. You know, I'm like, well, man, you know, there's a lot of vitriol going on out there. You know, for arguing and carrying on. And, and I'm not very good at, you know, holding back when something's said that I disagree with. And, 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 and I'm much better with talking with a person. My, my, uh, there's been times when Jamie is, has um, taken my keyboard away from me. <laughs> because... <laughs> She's like, you can't send any more emails or nothing like that, you know. And so when introduced to Twitter and, and the quotes, I said, wow, well, this is an excellent, this is an excellent use of, of this kind of medium. This is an excellent. And I, I was, I was blessed by it. And it helped me to start thinking of, of good ways to use, to use Twitter. Whatever you're reading something, it's challenging. You put it out there. Keith, when did you get a love have you always had a love for reading, or when did you get a love for, for reading? As I was thinking about this, I was grateful for the opportunity to um, answer this question, because it really is a tribute to my mother. Wow. Wow. Because my mother gifted me from an early age with a love for reading. <clears throat> mm. And she was a single um, mom. She was, my, my parents were divorced from each other twice. And I don't remember the first time that much, but my mom raised me and we lived with her parents. And um, my mother did so much by way of her own example. Uh, she was, uh, when I was younger, she was working with the visiting nurse service of New York. She was a registered nurse, and so all these nursing journals would come, and she would get a lot of mail. And the Sunday, she's reading the paper. I just watched her read. Wow. Wow. And she did so many things more. I mean, we could just do a whole podcast just on that. Mm. She did things like I was subscribed to um, my weekly reader. Her books came in the mail. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You went way back on the weekly reader thing, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't nobody know what you're talking about now. <laughs> weekly reader. Talking about weekly reader. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad somebody else remembers it. I remember it, man. That's how, that's how I learned... That's how I learned who Roberto Clemente was. Mm -hmm. He was in one of the one of the uh, weekly readers, man. 
And when I was in, I was in sixth grade. <laughs> That's yep. fine. Okay, enough of that. Keep on going. <laughs> she, uh, we were in New York. She would take me to Barnes and Noble in Manhattan. Wow. And give me the little basket, and I could pick out what I wanted. So she made reading. And this is something I look forward to. She would read to me and with me. Uh, trips to the local library, Langston Hughes Library in our community. Um, when she went on to do her master's in public health at Columbia, she was work- she was going to school at night. And so I would say with my, my grandparents, but my mother would do things like um, she would read a, a book and tape record it. And so when I was going to bed, I could put on the tape recorder and she would tell me when to turn the page and all this other stuff. Oh, wow. And, and so I have said that um, anyone who has been in any way blessed by knowledge I possess that I have gained through reading, anyone in ministry or even now teaching in the university setting, anyone who has benefited from things that I have gained through reading, ultimately, of course, has God to thank, but proximately has my mother to thank. Oh, wow. wow. And I am just <clears throat> grateful beyond words to what she did that instilled in me uh, uh, just a great, great love for, for reading. Wow, now that's, that's some legacy stuff. Oh, yeah. Man, when, when you were... When you, were, when you were sharing about her having to go to school at night, but reading to you via recording, uh, mm-hmm. that, that was moving. That, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, that's, that's not really that hard to do. But, man, it takes some real dedication and some thoughtfulness. Oh. And, um, wow, and the impact of that for years. Oh, and I remember, yeah. I remember one of the books that she read to me that way. It was called... The Lost Pony. <laughs> so I was looking up. I was looking up on Amazon for it recently, and someone was trying to sell uh, a new. No, it wasn't new. I think it was new. It was nine hundred and eighty-nine dollars. See, see. <laughs> so you know, I had to call home. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, we still have my little pony <laughs> but but then I checked further and all, other people were selling like these used copies for like six dollars three dollars so I don't know what this person bought that theirs was in such good condition and I don't know if anyone will buy it but my eyes did light up I said wait a minute that's 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 my book <laughs> so um I told, I, I told her about it. And she said, oh, no, I threw that out of the Oh, no, Mama, you threw away $900? <laughs> oh. Wow, wow. Man, what precious memories, man. And, you know, they live on, though, right? Every time you pick a book up. Every oh, time you I, pick I a book up, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't read without thinking about her mm. and um, just having this immense gratitude. Wow. Well, now I'm, I've not met your mom, but I'm super, I'm super grateful for her. Because um, <clears throat> I've gotten tons of books from you. And to know that goes back to 
My Little Pony. My Pony. Is it? <laughs> yeah, no, no, not My Little Pony. <laughs> That's the other one, right? <laughs> she, wasn't, she wasn't doing that to me. That was, <laughs> <laughs> That's the modern. That's the 20, 21st century. My Little Pony. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was the, the, the Lost Pony. I the Lost Pony. That's lost right. Pony. The Lost Pony. Got to get that right because we just, we just um, bought our granddaughter – uh, our youngest granddaughter, some things uh, when she was here visiting us last year, and it was My Little Pony. So I know that's oh. not the, <laughs> the Lost Pony. The, well, I don't. Now you got me wondering. It's either Little the Little Lost Pony or the Lost Pony. I don't know. Little we, Lost Pony. One uh, of those. We know. We know it's not My Little Pony. We know that. Oh, my, right? oh, that's it's, right. It's not that. All right, folks, get that straight. <laughs> get get the story straight, right? So Keith, now listen. You're you're a professor. Um theology <laughs> anyone knows anything a uh, little bit about theology it, that's a, a large amount of re- required reading i mean you mm-hmm. just you, you you've got to read if you're going to be studying theology and certainly if you're going to be teaching it so uh what is your approach when you when you go to well, let's talk about scheduling first how do you schedule time um to read how, how, how do you does it do you schedule or does it, you just say, okay, I'm just, I read every, I mean, how's that work? Yeah. You know, I don't really have a regimen. I think most mornings, like when I have my coffee and I'll, I'll read scripture, I'll have my, um, you know, a time of prayer. Sometimes I will include some other, you know, work that I'm reading through mm-hmm. during that time. And then other times, I don't really block out time, um, like on a routine or a schedule. Okay. I try to keep things with me. Like, so for example, when I do have my Kindle and I know I'm going to be going someplace where maybe I'm going to be waiting online or something, um, you know, I'll take my Kindle with me. And then there are times when I'm just at home and I am, you know, able to, to read something and I'll pick up a, a book. Um, one of the things that I realize, you know, every every strength has a potential weakness, <laughs> and, and I have I have realized, and it's not a new realization; it's probably a deeper realization that um, as much as I love reading, sometimes reading can become a means of procrastination and avoidance. Ah, okay. And so I need to be mindful of. Um, you know when the the time to read really is, and um, it can be a form of unhelpful um, escapism and, and sometimes. So that's a that is the vice side of of that, and just a temptation to be on guard against. So that's interesting because <laughs> you're the first person <laughs> that I know whereby reading. Uh, can be a form of procrastination. Most people, <laughs> most people procrastinate the other way. <laughs> Not reading is a procrastination. <laughs> but for that's, you, that's one of my <laughs> That's interesting. Wait, okay, so your approach: one book at a time, several books. How, how, how do you do that? It, it's easy for me to feel overwhelmed. So sometimes it's one book at a time. Okay, but recently it has been. I don't think that I can do more than 
I don't feel comfortable doing like maybe more than three okay. at a time because I just get, you know, I, I lose sight of where I am. So, um, like there was some, this meme going on on Twitter recently where people say to take pictures of, uh, six books. <clears throat> yeah, I saw that, man. And I was like, I can't read six books at a time. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm somewhere in the range of, if I'm reading multiple books simultaneously, it's got to be about two or three. Okay. And that's not including things like I have to read for, you know, if I've got to read things related to classes. I don't count those, but I mean, like, just for my own pleasure reading. Okay. I'll, I'll be somewhere in the vicinity of two or, or three. Yeah, I, I, I saw that uh, tweet that you're referring to, and somebody, somebody um, <clears throat> what do you call it, when they um, bring you on to it, they um, mm, tag you. Tag. Mm-hmm. And uh, I should never have responded. That went on for a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm look all these notifications. All that went on for a week. I'm like, why? <laughs> so don't nobody ever. I know that's too ne- double negative. Don't nobody ever tag me again on one of those. You will not be getting a response. <laughs> Yeah, those things, they can have a long life. Oh, my goodness. It's like a dandelion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, just, it just keeps coming back, keeps coming back. So let me ask you this, Keith, because, I mean, your um, your history of reading is just phenomenal. It's been a – that's a blessing. I, I'm trusting that parents heard that and, and, and can see how really um, – how they can have an impact for their children for reading. Um, that's just – your mom's uh, work is just – I'm – I can't get beyond that hardly. That's amazing to me. Now, folks trying to get into reading, you know, they didn't have the conscientious, conscientious mom that you had that loved to do it. And, and they're they're like, let's say like, you know, let's do like this, Keith, teenagers and then adults that Mm -hmm. what what, what do you what do you recommend? How how do you recommend they, they approach this approach reading? Well, I think the first thing would be find if you're going to try to get into reading, find something that you really enjoy, uh, like in terms of either a topic that you want to learn about or a type of story that you um, might you think that you would enjoy, and then taking it in bits mm. <clears throat> rather than looking at the book and saying, "Oh my goodness, how am I ever going to get through this?" Um, because I think I have a friend who says, you know, one of the ways to tackle big tasks is to set maybe a limit of say, I'm going to do this for just 10 minutes. Mm. And she says, you're many times you're going to find that that you lost sight of the time and you've gotten absorbed into it Yeah, and you go way beyond what you have set. But I think setting realistic goals from the beginning and trying to find something that um, is in the area of your interest, and then having those realistic, um, those realistic mm-hmm. goals of time. Mm. It's interesting. Um, <clears throat> I think is was it Alan Jacobs? The pleasure of reading is that right? Yes. Yeah. And so he approaches it like that, like you know, because you you really should enjoy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You really you don't want to feel like a punishment. <laughs> Right, right. Something you really so that's a good, that's a good word. Yeah, to something that that's an interest, something that you enjoy. 
because uh, I mean, you can you can find a book bought on on anything basically. So if there's mm-hmm. an interest, you can read. You could be reading about. It's a good point. That's a good. So folks, find something you like. Okay, and read and read. Get to reading. Uh, if you, <laughs> my weekly reader, <laughs> something like that. But okay, okay. Seriously, Keith, uh, I noticed in following since I've been following you, and and you mentioned this earlier that you have an interest in uh, the current use of technology. I mm-hmm. mean, you've you've even published some articles and papers on on, on the subject, and you've recommended to me Turkle. Yeah, that's her name, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, some other books you've recommended to me about this kind of this interaction with, um, you know, with our use of technology. What, what's the deal with that interest with, with you? That interest arose largely out of my own realization of how my mental habits were changing since I went online in the early 90s. Mm. And I came across, you know, once I started to uh, be on the internet for some time, um, at, at some point I came across an article by Nicholas Carr, who is the author of a book called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. But that book came out of an article that he wrote, I believe for the Atlantic or the Atlantic Monthly, called Is Google Making It Stupid? And he was talking about how it is that he used to be able to immerse himself in a book for a sustained period of time. And he was finding it more and more difficult to sustain his attention without mm-hmm. wanting to be diverted to something else. And he's got a great line, and this isn't verbatim. But he said, I used to be like a scuba diver in a sea of words. Now I was like a guy on a jet ski skimming across <laughs> the sea. that's picturesque man (laughs) and 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 when i read that i was like i know what he's talking about right right i mean that's me i i understand that and because i i had noticed that i i wasn't able to spend the time that i used to getting lost in a book i wanted something new and you know just shift my attention so that's one of the things that um got me interested in it and then people like you mentioned sherry turkle her book alone together why we expect more from technology and less from each other and then her follow-up book on that which i think is excellent called um reclaiming conversation the power of talk in a digital age um books like this that were written by people who were not um as far as i know christians but who were saying there is um there's something that is happening to us as we spend more and more time in a medium that values speed and um you know brevity and so forth Mm -hmm. and i was interested in that and i said but you know what they're identifying something that is wrong and but they don't have the framework to make sense out of why this is wrong mm. because they're not operating from a, a, a sense of a, a biblical anthropology and you know who we are as humans and what it is that we were created for and and i was also thinking well the insights that they are making have grave implications for christian discipleship and community because not only is it that as i become acclimated to um 
information technology and my attention diminishes and my demand for uh, distraction increases, not only does that have an impact on how I read, it, it also has an impact on how I attend to the people in my life. <clears throat> it has an impact upon um, how much more difficult prayer is and the reading of scripture in terms of our ability to meditate upon it and to follow long lines of thought to get a sense of the whole as opposed to treating a book of the Bible as though it consists of isolated verses or tweets. Mm, mm. We, lose, we lose sense of the, the, the big picture and so all of these things I was thinking about, this has, this has really, really significant implications for how we as Christians make use of various media. And I, I was also very influenced by people like Neil Postman, who wrote Amusing Ourselves to Death, uh, others who wrote in that field of what's called media ecology, where they would say, you know, the media that we use for communication are not neutral. Mm. They have certain biases, they incline us to certain ways, they um, shape what it is that is communicated as well as over time they shape us. And so I was thinking, these are the kinds of things that Christians need to be giving more thought to. And so that was um, where some of that interest arose, mm. arose from. Well, it's been real, the, the, the books you've recommended have been real helpful, I know for me, um, being I know in terms of technology, yeah, the computer for years you've been using. I've been using that, um, but certainly when it comes to the phone, um, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> I'm still new to that. Two years old <laughs> with that, but you can you can um, I can tell within two years of just having ready access to technology of what it's done for my thought processes man it really has has been in what 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 would you recommend uh in terms of a book a person could begin to read and think about those things john dyer d-y-e-r um he is uh he's on faculty at dallas theological seminary he has written one of the, the best introduction theology of technologies that i know of his book is called mm. from from the Garden to the City. Mm. And that is an excellent book. And then recently, um, you can see it, but this one, uh, Analog. Analog, Church. Analog Church by Jay Kim. Uh, Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age. Uh, Jay Kim is a pastor on the West Coast relatively young guy in Silicon Valley and he's writing this book and he's saying, you know what? Uh, We need to be very careful that we do not allow the values of information technology to shape our our ecclesiology and our sense of discipleship. Mm. And so what he's doing in this book, which came at such a... um, opportune time. I mean, it was released shortly after the pandemic. So when everybody is doing 
you know, streaming and everything, thinking about these questions. He did not write this to have any application to that. He didn't foresee it. It's just that the release was what it was and it coincided. It's a really, really good book um, that I think every church leader should look at, the church staff should look at, in terms of um, how it is that we can make the wisest use of technologies and how it is that we should not seek to replace certain things. So the subtitle, Why We Need Real People, Places, and Things in the Digital Age, it's a, it's a very, very good theological and culturally evaluative work that I am really, really grateful that this brother wrote. This, this, what, what you just did a moment ago is, to, is one of the reasons uh, I love following you on Twitter. And uh, because these these great book recommendations and Jamie, she has so much confidence that in you that all you need to do is just say the word. It's like, you know, it's like name it and claim it almost for me. You just say the word and it, and it, it shows up miraculously in my Kindle. <laughs> she, is, she, is, she is so good to you. She is so good. There, there's hardly ever a time that I don't put something up about a recommendation that I don't think about you too and I thought he's going to get this one. <laughs> Keith Plumber says it. I got it, man. So I got two new books coming right now. <laughs> soon as she hears this podcast, as soon as she's going to hear, matter of fact, she's not even going to, she's going to hear it before I post it. She's going to hear this podcast. Right? <laughs> man, that's interesting. Wow. Um, the timing of of church analog, the timing of that man is just uh, providential. Oh um, yes, you know because there was I noticed Keith that uh, with some of my brothers in ministry that uh, when um, churches were um, were having to suspend services, that there was this um, immediate rush um, to what we could do technologically. Mm-hmm. And uh, which I don't I mean, there's no fault in that. I mean, it's not like saying that's a bad thing because brothers really wanted to serve their congregations and serve them well in this season. Mm-hmm. But there was a rush. There was a rush. There was a we got to get these things set up. And so what I noticed, um, one of the consequences of that is that after things were set up and after things were kind of in order for like maybe f- 3 to 4 weeks or so you kind of got a rhythm going with the live stream and with the recordings or whatever kind of way they were going to use to mm-hmm. be um meeting with their people um then i noticed in my pastor friends that then they hit the wall mm-hmm. they were so busy getting all of this stuff and they weren't really being served well yeah. you know and cared for and and then like four weeks, a lot of a lot of my pastor friends and talking with them, it's like I don't know what's going on, Lou. I'm just uh, I'm like yeah because he, we were busy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we were getting things getting things rolling, and That's we right. were and people weren't really ministering uh, to us. We were busy trying to get trying to get it fixed, you mm-hmm. know. And, and and by the way, man, I'm so tired of Zoom. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> I hear you. There's this phenomenon that they call Zoom fatigue. Is that what it is? Well, that's, that's what they call it. Let me ask so, you this, Keith. You've mentioned so many books. Um, yes. What um, what book has had, and this will be my last question, 
Okay. Well, my second to last question. What book has had the, the, the most tremendous amount of impact on you just recently? I kind of want to take you all the way back to Little Pony. Wait, to My Pony. <laughs> recently. recently, yeah. I think um, if we're talking about really, really recently, I recently um, read a book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Mm. Um, discovering the Grace of Lament. And it is a book about lament and how it is a means of growing in deeper trust of God is by a guy named Mark Vrogop, and he is a pastor of, of College Park Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. He was one of the, yeah, you know, That's right. he was oh, one of the speakers. At, um, yes, he was. Yeah. Just, just gospel. Yes, well, you know, was. I had heard about that book from, um, from a pastor friend of mine, and he, he just really, really wanted it. And um, so I was, it was already on my radar, and then I heard Mark speak, and I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> so, I was, so I ran into the book room and <laughs> picked it up, and oh, is that rich. Oh, wow. Is that rich? And is it timely? It, it isn't a timely time for us in terms of uh, lamenting, and he does such a wonderful job of going through this, explaining what lament is, going through the the Psalms of lament, and he's got a very good section on lamentations. And it's a book that is, as you know, born out of his own right. sorrow and lament, the, the series of miscarriages that he and his wife experienced, mm -hmm. and how that gave rise to eventually you know, his own learning about lament in terms of their practice of it, his preaching on it in their church, and then ultimately this book, which is his first. This, I was richly, richly um, nourished mm. by this. And um, I really appreciated the fact that he's calling us to think about, is there a place for lament in our expression of the Christian life, uh, even in terms of worship, where we might have the idea of all of worship as we gather as a, a congregation should be celebratory, you know, and and he's like saying, you know, there there is a need for us to take this genre that is so prolific in scripture and, and work it into our individual and corporate lives as we deal with injustice as we deal with disappointment as we deal with loss it is it is just a very very rich pastoral source of, of counsel mm. it's, it's wonderful so that that is one recently that has definitely had a, a profound impact on me interesting because that that almost answers my next question i think it does well, um, we'll you you can maybe it won't, and if you recommend another one, that's just another book for me. But we're in tough times. I think that's why you're doing this. <laughs> I, I think what you. I just, figured, I just figured out what you're doing. You just got a whole list of Jamie. Shh, don't. That's that's between us, Doc. <laughs> so so we're Keith. You know, man, we're in we're in tough unprecedented times we are. 2020 has been 
Oh, my goodness. Uh, a year to remember for sure. And, and so my last question, brother, my last question, because this could go on. I could talk to you about books forever, man. This is, and, and I'm going to do it in front of Jamie, too, right? <laughs> what, what good read would you recommend for some good Christian reflection right now? That was my planned question. But listen, if you have a, another one other than Mark's book... <laughs> You know, I mean, since that's the one that I, I read most recently, I, I, that is one that I would certainly highly recommend. Probably I'll think of something afterwards, but that one without a without a doubt. And the full title again? Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how much I like this book. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> You know Goodreads? Yes, yes. Goodreads that, well, when I finish a book, I'm going to just give it some stars and that's it. You know, they talk about leave a review. I, right. I don't really have the time for that. <laughs> <laughs> but this book, I mean, I, I so wanted people to pick this up. That not only did I give it the five stars, but I actually made myself sit down and write a review of it. Wow. It was, it was brief. But it, it was so, it was such richness that I wanted to really encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to um, participate and, and enter into what he's saying there. And let me say, for anyone else who's listening, author friends whose books I only gave stars, it's not that, you know, you, you were good too. <laughs> <laughs> Get that straight, brother. <laughs> I just dug a hole for myself. Yeah. But, but but honestly, this one had such an impact upon me, um, and I so wanted to push other people towards it, mm. and I wanted to encourage Mark too because I mean I think he's done the body of Christ a great great service through this. So um, yes, that's that's it. Amen. And you're right. Mark did speak for us at Just Gospel 2020. And uh, folks can find um, his talk on Lament uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, at YouTube under Just Gospel 2020. And uh, he's out there. Um, and it was his talk. If, if the book is representative of what and what he shared, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that book, Jamie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Keith, man, brother, I can't I can't tell you how much. Of a joy it is, and a blessing it is to to know you, and to benefit to benefit from uh, your good upbringing, man, by your mom, and of course your experience in ministry and all these things. It's just been a real joy. I know the people who will be joining us on the porch for for this podcast will say the very same thing, man. Thank you so much for taking time. We're going to come back right and talk about your new assignment, right? We will, we will do that. Yeah, man. But thank you for coming for thank joining you. us. Oh man, good to talk with you again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about this uh, radio thing you like doing and provide a platform for that. The beat, I don't know if the beat heard that. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, again, thanks for coming on, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the porch, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>